Mud Boots is brought to you by Institute for Educational Leadership. Welcome to Mud Boots. My name is Paul Reynolds, and I have the pleasure of journeying with you through the fields of education reform and innovation as we explore what whole child education is, where it came from, and how, after nearly a century of effort, how it's finally being implemented even in district public schools. In our last episode, we had the pleasure of talking with Dr. Josh Garcia, Deputy Superintendent of Tacoma Public Schools. In that episode, Josh discussed the district's transformation via a data-driven whole-child approach that has led to remarkable improvements in a variety of metrics. This week, we'll once again be speaking with Jonathan Raymond, former superintendent of the Sacramento Unified School District. If you had the opportunity to listen to our first episode, you'll know that Jonathan served as superintendent in Sacramento from 2009 until 2013. During his tenure, Jonathan's mantra of putting children at the center of every decision led to the establishment of a successful whole child community. In this conversation, Jonathan shares his keys to leadership as a superintendent in a whole child community. From dealing with limited resources to conflicting motivations, Jonathan will walk us through how he went about making tough decisions required to improve the school district. So let's hear from Jonathan about his journey as a leader of a whole child district. Well, I am delighted to be sitting here once again with Jonathan Raymond, who is former superintendent, former president of Stewart Foundation, and also author of Wildflowers, a school superintendent's challenge to America. Maybe you could just frame out your your basic uh, story for those who may not have listened to the first episode of, of actually taking on the role in Sacramento and introducing whole child education. Did you know when you were heading in that you would need a new set of leadership tools or did that just come with you as as you entered the district? First, it's great to be back here at Fable Vision, Paul. Thank you. And I'm really excited to talk about today's topic of leadership because as you've framed it, to do this work really well, it does require a different type of leadership and one that's I think very, very different, and um, it doesn't come natural when you've been in the school system and you've kind of grown up in the school system. As you said, a very, a very bureaucratic, a very command and control, uh, very much about about compliance. And I think traditionally in that industrial model, you know, looked upon as you know, we're the educators, we know best. You know, bring your children, you know, deliver them to our school doors. You know, we'll take them inside, and um, you know, we'll stuff their heads full of knowledge and. We'll, we'll send them back out. And um, it's anything but a whole child education. And I was fortunate, at least I came into this work, having uh, been in, in several different careers, and I just came into it with, with uh, different eyes, with a different perspective. And I'll never forget, in fact, when I started my first job formally in education down in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, one of my very first cabinet meetings, uh, the superintendent at the time was very good about going around the room and you know giving everybody a chance to have input. And I remember in one of my first meetings asking a question about a particular policy or initiative that was being discussed. You know, how is this good for kids? And the looks that I got from my colleagues, you know, which is kids, why are we? Why are you asking that kind of question? You know, what does that have to do with this? Well, it has everything to do with it. 
But that's just, again, the different way you come at it. And I was fortunate. Those were just the, the eyes that I, that I brought to it. So, you know, I continued on. And that's what I mean by, you know, this work requires a different, a different, a different lens to look through. And it starts with putting kids at the center. When people get the news that, oh, the new superintendent's coming in, it can be a fearful time because it's change, new leadership. You don't quite know what to expect. And I think it's a time of potentially people being afraid. There might be some fear. Um, is there anything that you did as you, as you entered the district um, to let people know what your intentions were and what your style would be? I'm smiling now, Paul, because when I was going through my fellowship program, we studied a case about a new superintendent who came into Philadelphia. And the name of the case was The Man with a Plan. And, you know, we learned, right, that um, oftentimes superintendent, you know, he or she, that, you know, they come in with a plan, right? Their ideas, their way, their blueprint, and often, often with their team you know, two or three or four or a dozen uh, trusted members, perhaps folks that they've worked with in other school districts. And that can be, in addition to what you said, uh, it can be really paralyzing and very, and very stifling. So the one thing is I didn't come into Sacramento with a plan. Uh, and I didn't come in with a whole bunch of people in tow. I came in specifically with an idea, and a lot of leadership programs, and the one I went through was no different, taught us that, you know, you need to have a theory of change or a theory of action. And, and I came in with this idea, with this notion, could we really see, could we create an, a great school district based on two things? One, the adults in the system trying to get a little bit better at whatever they did and whatever their responsibilities were every day, a little bit better every day. And could we figure out how to work together better as the adults in the system in service of kids? The big buzzwords today are collaboration and continuous improvement, right? But that's, that's what I wanted to do, right? And, and those are really action-oriented. You know, they're not, they're, not, they're not the destination, right? They're, they're not nouns because I knew, I had a sense that the answers would come from the community, you know, what to do. And I talked in, the, in an earlier podcast, and I referenced Anton, and you've heard his story. I didn't come to Sacramento to change the way we ate or to green schools or to get rid of styrofoam trays. But when I came to listen, and I started to go out in the community, and I, and I said, I'll give anybody five minutes or anyone who's willing to give me five minutes, you know, uh, I'll come and have a conversation with them, and, I, and I'll listen, right? It's the listening, right? It's, it, it's closing your mouth, opening your eyes and your ears, and listening. And sometimes it's a second grader, right? And sometimes it's um, a, a young mother-to-be who told me after the end of a meeting when I went around the table and asked, what would you do if you were in my shoes or if you were the superintendent? And she said, superintendent, just remember, take risks for kids. So, you know, I didn't have a plan. I wanted to create a vision, though, and that, that vision is very important, right? The vision, but it needs to be a shared vision. It needs to be a vision that's gathered and comes from, from outside. And that was a very important aspect, which I came to Sacramento with. And it was very different than it had been done in the district before. Yeah, that, that deep listening, really listening and setting aside your, your agenda for that moment 
is really critical. When you were making tough decisions, did you hear voices, input that ended up making you stop and, and rethink things? In my, in my last year in Sacramento, we were, at this point, four years of deep cuts, 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 and, and a lot of pressure to, to close schools. And um, we went through a very elaborate process, identified. We had community meetings and hearings out in the community. And we had uh, uh, you know, the meetings through the school board. And the big night we came to close, uh, to the board was going to vote on a slate of schools to close. Uh, the day before, one of the school board members said, hey, you know, superintendent, could you come up and just meet me at, you know, one of these schools that was proposed to be closed? He said, I know it's on the slate and, you know, it's probably going to go through, but would you just come with me and could we just walk together to, to the new school where these, where these kids are, are going to be going so we can just sort of trace their footsteps? And we did. And um, it was, took us about 20 minutes and we crossed a, a two-lane high, highway. And the whole time I'm saying to myself, gosh, you know, this is just something doesn't feel right about this. Uh, so the night of the school board meeting comes, and uh, we're going through public comment. And um, this one parent who I had, I had seen before, you know, um, tall, really, you know, I call him sort of the gentle, the gentle green giant. Um, he gets up to the microphone and he says, you know, he said, you know, my name is so and so, and he said, uh, I'm a nobody, right? I'm a nobody. I'm just a dad. Silence in the whole hearing room. He said, you know, he said, uh, you know, I have three kids, fourth grade, second grade, kindergarten, and I, I walk my kids to school every day because my wife and I have only one car and she takes it, you know, to work every day. And I take the kids to school and I pick them up at the end of the day and, and uh, I'll walk with them and I'll carry one or two, particularly my younger one. And he said, if you know what, if you close that school, superintendent, school board members, um, my kids won't make it. I can't, I won't be able to get them to school and they can't make it. And I don't know what we're going to do. And he was right. And I had walked it. And it, you know what, it wasn't, it wasn't part of our plan. You know, our plan was to close this slate of schools. But I just knew deep down inside that he was right. And at the 11th and a half hour, you know, I pulled the school. And uh, I had some school board members really upset at me. My staff was really upset at me because, they, you know, they had done all the work to, to get these schools closed, right? It was, uh, it was all buttoned up. It was ready to go. Boom. Just, just let the vote happen. And, and it could have. But it wasn't the right thing to do. And I knew that. And, you know, th that's what I sometimes refer to as leadership, right? The, this work of running a school district is anything, anything but black and white. I mean, it's so gray. And as my mentor, Tom Paisant, wonderful superintendent, so humble, and down to earth and no ego at all would say, you know, he said, you know, just remember this, that the superintendency is knowing what to do when you don't know. And what he meant by that is sometimes decisions are really hard. We don't know. We haven't done them before. But we have to fall back on a set of values and principles and things that are that need to be really black and white, like do we believe in all kids? And if we do, what are we going to do about that? That commitment to creative leadership is really critical because creativity really requires that you're okay taking risks, that you're okay with the, with, uh, the ambiguity of, of things coming in at that moment, and you're connecting the dots between new ideas. It must be harder to do it um, that way because it's easier to read off the script and just march out and send the memos out, but to actually be inventing something as you move along and inventing something with 
in concert with other people. And of course, whole child education or educating the whole child requires the entire ecosystem of communities. That's a lot of input. Is that was that ever overwhelming for you? The, the amount of input that was required to to listen and create this new this new implementation. Of course, and it's incredibly exciting at the same time. I think that's one of the biggest challenges today, right? With a whole child, whole community approach, is folks will say, "Look, that's you mean you want us to focus on all kids, and you want us to." open up and to listen to our community, you know, that's overwhelming. How are we going to solve all those challenges? We don't have enough resources. And I, and I say, exactly. And that's, a, that's why we need to listen and open up and figure out how to really authentically engage and partner with our community. Because they have the resources and they have the ideas. And we don't have to have it all figured out, right? Uh, we have to think systemically, right? But we also have to design locally. And that means each community, each neighborhood, you know, may want, may have other ideas, other ways of thinking about this. And that's, that's really powerful. So, you know, and I say that's today, that's really what equity is all about, right? So many, so many people approach it as, you know, it's a noun, it's a destination, no, it's not. It's a verb. It's a journey. It's about action. And you don't have to have it all figured out. You can start with, let's, let's do something about those styrofoam trays, right? And when you start to take that different approach, right, it opens up other avenues and, and other opportunities. And um, before you know it, right, you're creating more career pathway programs for kids, that really want to get engaged, right? You're starting to build back and put back in art and music and dance programs because that's what kids have asked for, right? You're starting to create more partnerships with parents by getting and having teachers do home visits, right? You're putting in place summer learning and experiential programs because um, kids get excited about it. Kids can get um, their, their own voice and start to do service learning programs. So you'd be amazed at, at when you start and you start from a place of, you know, side by side with your community, uh, things, the, the answers start to, start to emerge uh, in our education and in, in our leadership programs. You know, we teach you, people to, you know, to have a plan, to have, have all the answers, right, to come in, take charge, bring in their, bring in their teams, you know, put their, put their plan in place. And we don't, we don't understand that those are, that the, the effects of that, right? When you came in, we, we know that the impact that you had in a relatively short amount of time with student engagement and dropout rates and academic achievement was really tremendous. It was, it was awe-inspiring. You got things done. And not you, as you say again and again, it's you and the team and the entire ecosystem, that it was the entire ecosystem that was finally tapped into to unleash the answers that were already there. You've, you've, um, you've spent time on this uh, podcast with Stacey Bellalt and... Um, it's a, there's another aspect to this, Paul, which is, you know, where are the diamonds within your district and within your community? And if you, are you willing to look and are you willing to be patient? I found my first chief of staff on my very first uh, day as superintendent. Uh, at the very end of the day, I went on a 
on a home visit with a, a math a math coach from Hiram Johnson High School, uh, who was Teresa Cummings, and it turned out Teresa became my first chief of staff. I was at a school board meeting one evening, and lo and behold, this 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 one uh, staff uh, member who was overseeing our foster youth, Stacy Bell at the time, made a presentation in front of the school board, and I was like, wow. She is unbelievable. She's fantastic. I mean, what a what a what a spark of energy. Her the depth of her knowledge and her wisdom. You can see the connection and her love for for children. You know, she, she's amazing. Let's let's find another another opportunity for her. And superintendent and leaders have an opportunity to do that. They can find these members of their community folks that are already working in the school district. Patty Hagermeyer was our budget director. She was amazing. And when there was an opportunity, we made her our chief financial officer. And the beautiful part about that is these folks come from the community. They stay in the community. And long after, you know, the man or a woman with a plan, you know, has come in, had their plan, you know, looked at, sometimes rejected, and, and off they go to their next school district uh, with, you know, half the team that they brought in who, who never came from the community, right? Who's left to pick up the pieces, right? But the, the community that was there. But when you come in and you develop your vision, a shared vision with the community, and you enable people, right? You give a mortgage to the folks that are in the community to step up and to lead. You know, they, they stay and they, and they continue on. It's the folks you leave behind, right, is perhaps the most important and underappreciated and, and under-recognized and talked about part of being a leader, which is, which is, you know, what do you leave and who do you leave behind to continue on this great work? Um, and to do that well, you, you know, there's no ego involved in that, right? It's, it's about creating a, a vibrant e- ecosystem. And that's the kind of leadership that I'm talking about. Right. As you said earlier, before we started the show, the right, ego, ecosystem versus ecosystem, right? And it's, it's such, you know, diametrically opposed visions that, you know, it isn't about you. It's you listening to the entire ecosystem. You, you understand that that's a, that's a, uh, that readiness of people to contribute in ways to improve the entire organization is there. It just had to be asked. It must have been surprising for people when they, because I know how often you, you say that you would stop and listen. And as you say, it could be the second grader, um, it could be the custodian, it could be the parent. Um, that must have been really refreshing for people to see that in you. It's refreshing and it's energizing, Paul. I think you really kind of wrapped it up well. And I was sitting here as you were talking, I was thinking about one of my favorite movies, Monsters, Inc., right? And that this sort of tagline, we, you know, we scare because we care. Uh, but they found that you could generate so much more exponentially, so much more energy through, through laughter. And um, by creating an environment where people were excited, where people were happy, where people were, were really passionate. And uh, leaders that, um, that can inspire, that can create a vision, and, and that can you know, open their arms and, and find a way to, to engage and bring people in, create that kind of energy that is really both transformational and, um, and sustaining. And it is energizing when you start feeling that organization come together 
and you're listening and you're making change together. That is, that's fuel for the journey. And and it's fun. Yeah. And it's fun. We could talk for hours and hours about this, um, the leadership issue just, just in and of itself. Um, I know that you're doing amazing work out across the nation and it's just terrific. When, if people are listening to this episode, the, um, I know part of your mission is to go out there and out on the front line and help people who are ready to embrace this kind of change initiative, especially for leadership. If there are superintendents out there listening, um, school leaders, um, I know that you are open and available to, to you know, help. And I think given, given the fact that you've walked the walk, not just talked the talk, is really critical. So I, I know that um, folks can track you down through this, po- po- track you down through the podcast and website. And I think we should probably just say the wholechildchallenge.org website has most of the contact information that they would need to track you down. That's correct. Is that okay for me least unleashing people on you? Absolutely, Monica? absolutely. Wholechildchallenge.org is a, a great resource for folks that are really interested in where do we start? What is whole child education? What are what are all the resources and other organizations that are partnered with here? And you know, how do I get started? And and who's available to help? And uh, you know, I'm certainly available to help help. Uh, I think guide right folks through this through this journey, which is um, not only so so needed today, um, but it's a lot of fun. And of course, there is your book. Wildflowers, a school superintendent's challenge to America, which provides a really wonderful detailed look at your journey as superintendent, the ups, the downs, the the challenges, the successes, and that's another way for people to learn and and get guidance from you, um, even if they can't get you there in person. So um, so we'll give a plug for that one, and uh, the as you said, the the website also has. So I think I think we have come in for a landing. Jonathan, thank you so much for being on this episode of Mud Boots. Thank you, Paul, and the rest of the Fable Vision team. So keep those mud boots on and keep journeying along. For more information about Jonathan Raymond and his time in Sacramento, you can pick up a copy of his book, Wildflowers, A School Superintendent's Challenge to America. Next week on Mud Boots, we'll be speaking with Dr. Stacy Bell-Alt, who served as Youth Development Director in the Sacramento City Unified School District during Jonathan Raymond's tenure. Currently an assistant professor at Sacramento State University, Stacy oversaw the implementation of expanded learning programs, as well as summer initiatives to foster learning outside the classroom. Join us as she speaks to the importance of a year-round approach to educating whole children. For more information about Mud Boots or other resources on whole child education, journey to www.whole childchallenge.org. Keep those mud boots handy and join us on the next episode. IEL is dedicated to equipping leaders to better prepare children and youth for college, careers, and citizenship.